Hi everyone, welcome to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart of enterprise IT. If the audio quality is not up to our usual standards, that's because I'm currently ensconced in the United Club at Newark Airport on my way back home after a whole week of Amazon reInvent, so I don't have my fancy podcasting setup with me. Uh, bear with us, we'll try to make the content worthwhile. No podcasting boots, eh, Dominic? Like, nothing around you. Amazingly, they do not support that here. There were a bunch of podcasting booths, as in many podcasting booths at reInvent in Vegas, but uh, nothing here. They just handed you an NFT when you got there. That's probably what they did, right? <laughs> a rotting monkey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. We'll take it, we'll take it. So how was the experience overall? I mean, COVID, everything, before we get into the material of reInvent. It was good. It was good. Uh, there was everyone had to be vaccinated. Everyone had to wear a mask. Mask discipline was, I have to say, impeccable. I saw a couple of noses, and that's pretty much it. And for a place where you spend all of your time indoors, that, that's pretty notable. But it, the casino does their own part as well, so they have masks mandatory throughout the casino anyway. Uh, and so it's no extra effort to mandate it in the expo, I guess. What do they do with all the eating? And drinking. You're, al you're allowed to remove your mask to eat, but you have to be stationary in a designated area. You can't wander around, and it's pretty well spaced out. Uh, it's the, the the event was smaller than 2019. They have not divulged any numbers that I'm aware of, but 2019 was I think 65,000 was the official figure, and I would be surprised if this year topped 25. So it's still a big show, not a small show, but a lot smaller. Yeah. It, it looked sm like the keynote looked, it didn't look like there were a lot of people in the auditorium for the keynote. Yeah. So uh, amusingly, even though I was in Vegas, I watched all the keynotes from a uh, workroom uh, with a bunch of colleagues. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were doing rapid reaction stuff. And uh, yeah, there was, so I was watching the same video stream as you were watching and it did not look full. No, no, it didn't look full at all. So that was the surprising stuff. It's, it, I'm glad that it sort of, how did it play out with, I don't know, I, the socializing, the chitty chatting, I, I don't think I've been in a room with that, with 100 people, let alone 20,000 people in two years. Pretty much same as normal, to be honest, uh, except everyone was wearing masks. Uh, but yeah, people were trying to scan your badge as you walked past, and I had meetings with analysts, journalists, customers. Uh, it, it was a normal reinvent, just with this slight addition of masks and vaccination certificates and a little bit more paperwork. Huh. So right. it was it was very very good to be back. I have to say, Vegas is not my favorite town, as all of my close friends and associates know. Uh, but it was just good to be back with people and catching up and reinforcing those relationships. Yeah, I think that's uh, one thing that. I guess everybody's feeling that they're missing is the face to face with with some people. So. But I think this was the first big event from from an IT perspective because Ignite yeah. was virtual. There, there there hasn't been anybody who's gone like face to face. This was the first one, I think, or the first big one, a sizable, let's say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is the first big one. So we uh, we did we MongoDB, we did Dot uh, Local London, which is kind of our European event by default, uh, and that was also a bit down on previous years. Uh, though we were still pretty happy with it. Uh, but much, much smaller than reInvent. And we've got some growing to do before we get that big. Before we get into the, the material of it, how was, how was the travel there and, and travel back? I guess you're, you're halfway home or, you know, a quarter yeah, of the halfway. way home now. 
yeah. yeah. Um, pretty, pretty painless, to be honest. There's some extra paperwork, and the mask does get chafing after the first several hours, so I won't lie. But, you know, it, it, it's fine. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I would agree with that. I guess now they're going to tighten down a little more with uh, the amount of time before testing. But Yeah, I did mind. I, mine was open up to 48 hours, but I did it 24 hours before to be to be certain to catch the maximum. Although, to be honest, I did go to the party last night. <laughs> I mixed with many thousands of my closest friends, but it was outdoors. It was well ventilated, so I'm assuming that was safe. It's so amazing to have to make these decisions on a sort of rolling basis, right? I've been in the office two to three times a week now for the last few weeks, which is amazing, but there's like yeah. literally nobody there. So um, it's amazing to have recycled air and uh, a really bad coffee machine. Like that's amazing. Um, but you never like, thought you'd miss that... it. So I'll tell you one thing about Vegas, speaking of recycled air, because everyone's smoking, right? And you don't smell the cigarette smoke. So that tells me the air is being recycled pretty promptly. And that once someone pointed that out to me, I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. That, that helped relax me. Huh. Everything on, on max. Yeah. 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 And they had air purifiers sitting in the corridors. I was saying in the Venetian, in every couple of rooms, there was this humming box on the floor. I'm not sure if that does any good or if it's just placebo, but you know, it's that they've done that. We've put those in our office, our office too, so no, no surprise there. What about reInvent overall? Let's get into the meat and potatoes. Yeah, let's go for it. I, losing, I mean, losing some steam, AWS, I get the feeling, but give me your, so give think, me your take. I mean, it, it's, it's not really fair in Adam Salipsky to compare it to Andy Jassy after 10 years of practice. We should compare it to Andy Jassy's first year, right? <laughs> that would be the fair comparison. But uh, it certainly wasn't the, the cavalcade of product announcements that we got used to in the, in the Jassy years. There, there were very few product announcements, no big uh, semi-traders drove on stage, uh, nothing like that. <laughs> uh, but I think it's interesting, the tack that they, they've taken to doing more industry solutions and telling stories that unify their, their, their many, many products. Um, all of their... 300 ways of running Kubernetes. <laughs> uh, no, it's um, because that was uh, what we had all, as an industry here, we'd all criticize them for doing is, oh, you just launch all of these things with no context. Now, what do we do with them? Oh, you know, whatever you want, you decide. And this year they took the opposite tack and they said, here are a few things that you can do and here's how you can wire up a whole bunch of our components. And uh, AWS Glue uh, made very frequent appearances, which is the most ironic product naming ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i, I was uh, taken aback by all the big companies that were present and giving like um examples of how they've used that aws or are going to exactly. use it exactly which is like it's always been like the digital native the small startup like oh look at this no, cool the, app the point of having the old school legacy enterprise no not legacy but you know established uh companies that, that was significant you, you think, and that's not their base per se. You think that's going to insult their base at some point because it's clear they're going that way, right? They might have to tack back a little bit, but I think as a statement of intent, it, it was it was significant. I mean, even the the what are normally the technical keynotes uh, on the other days. Uh, so Peter DeSantis obviously was announcing a whole bunch of graviton stuff, and uh, that was interesting. 
uh, Werner was just in full storytelling mode. Uh, he didn't announce anything, I don't think, in, in his keynote. No, but again, it was about the framing device. And so that gives them the opportunity to tack back uh, towards their core market. The most announcement-dense uh, keynote was the uh, day two or day three, however you want to count it, the Wednesday keynote with Swami, uh, which was supposed to be the machine learning keynote and ended up being mostly about data, which you know, makes sense. You can't run machine learning models without a whole bunch of data, and you have to do stuff to the data to make it available to the models beforehand. And so that was where most of the, the actual announcements came, apart from Graviton 3 itself and the, the various new instance types that rely on that. Yeah, I, I only listened to the original, the, the, the Adam keynote on day one. After that, I lost interest. When he started to talk about mainframes, I kind Florence of had... Nightingale. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 so much mainframe. Corey <laughs> Quinn made the point that Amazon missed, missed the boat there. They should have called it AWS 400. <laughs> that, would have been, that would have been perfect. That would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to keep holding the candle for mainframe. I think it's an interesting idea um, that this can move to the cloud. Um, I think it's a... Optimistic. Yeah, there's a lot of gravity there. No, but there, there was, um, I have to dig it out. There was a uh, one of the interviews, Silicon Angle did uh, a four-parter. They dropped part uh, every day as a preview of that keynote, a four-part interview with Adam Silipsky. And the, the mainframe migration thing, he expounded upon that a little bit more. He said, look, it's not going to be that we turn off the mainframe. It's going to be that we start picking off the, the stuff around the edges of the mainframe that maybe doesn't make sense to be on the mainframe, that now there are different alternatives, but some core stuff is going to remain there. Also because, you know, to refactor it as itself, uh, a mainframe project and you have to right. understand COBOL and whatnot to, to unpick what those services are doing. And the availability of those people is why people want to migrate off in the first place. So you get a little bit of a uh, catch-22 situation. And I think there's, you know, there's elements that are, it's a, it's a huge lift. And there's also elements that I don't know that, that cloud has been architected to support the transactional exactly. scale and scope. There's just no room for error there. Right. And, and, and so I think, I just, I find it interesting. I almost feel as though for the cloud world, being able to take on some mainframe is, is sort of a rite of passage or a, or a rung that they could achieve that proves that they are in some way robust. Um, and marker, yeah. It, it, feels, it feels almost emotional, maybe, uh, yeah. as a target. They're looking at every. They're looking at every piece of the market they can get now. I mean, it's not. It's not like they're. They're not happy with what they have now. And and I mean, to grow at the rate that they've been growing, I mean, they got to go after more. I, I don't know that they'll. They'll actually achieve. I think Microsoft's been much better at it. I mean, Microsoft didn't have to say they're going after the peripheral of, of mainframe, but they have picked off certain pieces, certain applications, and how 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 it's working with Azure. I, I think they've been a, just a bit better and. Clearly, they're going after Microsoft's uh, bread oh, and butter yeah. now. I get the yeah. It's it, it's clear the, the Devilfish starts. announcement. The what? No, I haven't. So that's not new. It had come out beforehand, but it got emphasized several times. So this is a module that runs on top of one of Amazon's cloud databases that makes it bug compatible with SQL Server. It emulates some of the weirdness as a SQL Server, so you can run a SQL Server workflow against. Aurora, which is a very interesting move. 
uh, speaking of moving things out of uh, the data center. The battle's clearly there. Now Now Google needs to orchestrate and who moved my cheese moment yeah, but, for both of those. Google has their own. They have Big Animal. That's uh, Google's play in that space. Uh, it's targeting Oracle, but still the same thing. And that, that's going to be the, the interesting thing, these on-ramps. I, I think, that though, going back to the original point, I think that the Adam Solipsky message is it's going to need some more tuning. We'll see what it's like next year. Because there was some conflict between you put all the data in one place and apply a bunch of controls, and then we have a database for every use case. And there are literally like 17 different databases if you add up all the sub-models inside each one. And when all of those require you to copy your data, you kind of lose control. And so that centralized command and control message is in conflict with the, the flexibility and choice message. So we'll see how that gets articulated uh, in the next few months. They have a lot of, I mean, so many offerings, so much confusion, like it, yeah. it's overwhelming uh, at times, even though they haven't announced any, like much new, but there's so many options. It's it's overwhelming for a lot of people. Yeah, it could be a, a consolidation, yeah. Do you, do you think it would have been any different if, if Jassy was still there? Because I don't think so. I think this is like the way they go, the way they roll, right? I mean, it's kind of unknowable, the, the whole... The whole reason he steps steps up, steps aside, however you count it, was to to make that change. And certainly, no one can be Jesse, but I think this year is the first year, and Adam Solipsky's already delivered a keynote that's not a Jesse keynote. So that's step one, and now we'll see what happens from here. Any side talk? Any side rumors of them breaking away from Amazon? Because to me, it seems I always thought it would happen this year, but there's now I think there's no way that'll ever happen. It wasn't something that was discussed in any conversations I was in. Also, the analysts I spoke to, they were much more interested in this change of direction, these industry vertical packaged solutions, or at least more unified stories around the, the diverse solutions. There's a lot less uh, you know, fantasy M&A. Is, uh, is AWS going to get spun off? That's they did finally learn something that had been bugging me. Uh, you know how a bunch of Amazon services are Amazon, whatever, whatever, and a whole bunch of others are AWS, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. So it turns out, it turns out that, that there is a reason. There's uh, <laughs> some logic there. The services that were originally developed by Amazon.com, the retail arm, they're Amazon services. And the services that were originally developed as public-facing AWS services, they're AWS, whatever. Why would that persist? I'm not sure. And I'm fairly sure I spotted some exceptions to the rule, as with any rule that doesn't survive contact with cold hard reality but apparently that's the original logic still doesn't explain why some services are camel cased and some are not as a still an ongoing nothing mystery. will ever explain that we just you yeah. just need to accept that camel case is the kind of thing that happens to good product names with nobody's <laughs> if any readers have suggestions tips tricks or even jokes along those lines do write in but yeah <laughs> Interesting. I cannot imagine. I, I know why sort of the the narrative about spinning off AWS is so compelling, um, but it it feels like a, a real um, it's organ transplant surgery, right? Like there's yeah the major 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 surgery to to do something like this, um, and I, I don't. I think it's. I understand the the temptation, but I feel as though it it actually could potentially prove fatal more yeah. to the 
more to the Amazon mothership than to the AWS component. Although, without going into any NDA violations, uh, I did have a couple of conversations recently, uh, and not just this week. Apparently, the Amazon.com AWS relationship is not nearly as tight as some of the marketing would tend to imply. And I'm not going to go any further. Uh, but uh, speaking of fantasy M&A, though, some, another interesting tidbit. So this was year 10 of reInvent, just to make us all feel old. God, and I remember year one. Were you there? Weren't we there together? Not year one, no. But yeah, we've done a couple together. But um, apparently the contract with the Venetian was for 10 years, and this was year 10 of that. So we may not so be going to go to Florida? So are we going to go to Florida? Swan and Dolphin, here we come. <laughs> Zach will be happy, short commutes for him. Yeah, exactly. Did they say I, anything about what next year was going to bring? Had they made a death pact with a mouse? Nothing whatsoever, no. That, that's way too far for them to think. Oh. I, I, I would imagine. That contract is already signed, and you and I both know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but you know this AWS Amazon the things aren't great. I I think the AWS people have to be as frustrated have to be more frustrated than an Amazon person because retail is not jumping on board of 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 Amazon. There's always this, you know, thinking in the back of your head of like this is my biggest competitor. This is my biggest competitor. And and none of the companies they brought on stage were were I mean retailers. I mean the retailer they use as a as a use case is always Whole Foods. It's like that's terrible. That's Amazon. You know, it's that's you. I don't know. Whole Foods. Yeah, yeah it's like it's yeah, it's you. Conference. Yeah, yeah, it's you. And by the way, the interface is god awful. Right, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. truly impossible to execute. Like every time I go in there, I think to myself, there has to be a better way. And I'm a hundred percent confident that fifty percent of the items on your shelf are not available for me to buy through here. Yeah. <laughs> They have a couple of products where the reference customer is Woot, you know, one, one of those, which is also an Amazon.com. Amazon, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, they, no one of us haven't been in that situation where we're like, actually, let's take our reference customer who happens to be me. <laughs> let's talk about it, right? Like, I think we yeah, tell you can do that. Like if next year they did the reInvent app on, uh, on AWS Amplify, that would be a valid story to tell. That's a valid use case, the high demand. But just saying, hey, you know, Woot is an online retailer and they use our stuff. Like, yeah, of course they do. <laughs> and Zappos too. They both do it. It's everybody's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's where it's really gets sticky between the two. And I and I, I think that's one reason where, you know, I think Microsoft can pick them up, pick them off or, and over and over. And every retailer has almost gone the Azure route. I, I bet Azure is probably has just as much market intelligence on retail than Amazon does if you were to look at the big picture of it. So oh, yeah, and a whole bunch of retailers won't go with Amazon because of the competition aspect. Yeah, and then some of them are 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 saying that their supply chain can't go with them because they won't do business with you if you're supply chain. Wow. So yeah, I think I think Walmart has that statement on quite a few um, quite a few items. So yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's like uh, when I wanted to sell to Fiat if you had an FCA group car you could park inside and if you have many other manufacturers park on the street somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah don't don't show up to do work at a construction company with another construction company's equipment that's also something very smart not to do yeah tough one i could have sworn i had a friend who who said that he worked at ford or gm like one of the detroit car manufacturers and drove some uh 
Japanese vehicle into my lot every day. All I remember is he said that it was a choice. It was a real personal decision. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Um, hey, last uh, third of the podcast, can we talk about this like NVIDIA arm getting blocked and what we think is actually going to happen here? Or it has, oh. hasn't officially been blocked, but it looks like we're going that way, right? It looks that way. Yeah, there seems to be a bit of a spate of that. There was also the, the Giphy acquisition by uh, Facebook, sorry, Meta, whatever, uh, being blocked by the UK competition authorities. Just the governments, the various governments all seem to be much more activist about this sort of stuff. Uh, the, the tide has shifted pretty comprehensively. Yeah, the Giphy one, I don't know how people are worried about the animated GIF market and Facebook it, cornering that. Where's the money in Giphy anyway? Like, I mean, honestly, I've been <laughs> no, using but, it for years. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, it's advertising and whatever. No, but the interesting thing about Giphy is because Google uh, deprioritized searching Giphy from their search and tanked their traffic and their value. And so... Meta was basically buying up a distressed asset, and, and now they're not. So it's going to be a question at this point, will Giphy get bought by someone else, or will they go out of business? It's, it's actually not a good outcome for, for Giphy, getting bought by, uh, by, Bezo uh, by Bezos, by, <laughs> uh, by Zuck, was actually a reasonably good outcome for them in this bad situation they find themselves in. So it's a, it's a meta, if you'll pardon the pun, it's a meta competitive question. Why were they deprecated by Google? Yeah, because they do their own thing. You know, the the classic you know, just stay on the Google homepage, don't click through to to the third party result. And oh, I see. Giphy relied on people landing on their actual homepage to monetize. Stealing, scraping data, and uh, reducing clicks. Uh, I think Wikipedia has the same issue where they they show partial results, and that's good enough for most people. So they never need to really go to Wikipedia. I, I think that's the probably the most common case. So so I think like the big tech acquisitions. There's going to be a lot of talk now because so many are getting stopped that yeah. I, I think some companies will shy away from from some big acquisitions. Big acquisitions, I think so. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's going to make everybody think twice. And, and maybe it makes you feel a bit more uh, uh, secure now that you won't get acquired. I, I think Twitter is the one that's laying out there that's pretty vulnerable now. Um, well, it depends on whether your business plan relies on an acquisition, right? Some business plans assume an IPO. Some assume that uh, you're going to get acquired and folded into something else. And Giphy was always kind of parasitic. Uh, and they were parasitic on everything. I mean, you can use Giphy straight from messages or whatever. But does it really make sense to your point lilac as a standalone business would you pay 4.99 a month to access giphy almost no. certainly not <laughs> but uh to facebook it's worthwhile because they get the data stream from that right yeah. right i think that's true i i i feel as though i this is a, a moment where we're try, I, I feel like the governments are trying to like you said, exert a little bit of control over this and also demonstrate that they're doing a thing, right? Yeah. And I think that certain acquisitions look more like doing a thing than others um, because people understand those markets or those businesses or whatever. I'm not wholly against it. I My, my concern is that when we truly look at the companies with monopolistic power in this industry, most of them are have grown it organically. Um, so unless we're going to go to a baby bell situation, Right. Yeah. 
I think no one's surprised about the ARM NVIDIA one. I mean, even when they made that acquisition, we we questioned it and we're like, this this can't Everyone really be. Assuming, yeah. But, but, but you and, know, and again, back to reInvent, and it was all about the ARM CPUs, the amazing things they're doing. They even made the connection explicitly with the M1s because now you can get an M1 in a box uh, from Amazon as a managed instance. And at that point, having NVIDIA own it, which has already had its own supply chain bottleneck issues earlier this year or, or last year when you couldn't get gpus at all as it all being scooped up by people trying to run uh, mining operations i i think the, the writing was on the wall for that one and then this particular climate of anti-big tech acquisitions made it a certainty and removed any shred of doubt do you think if it wasn't for like this semiconductor supply chain issue, which is the one that everybody's still talking about, I mean, people can't buy new cars, can't do this, can't do that. Do you think if that didn't happen, this would have gone through? No, I mean, the, the thing I was talking about came even before that, before the, the supply chain issues, because yeah. uh, the blockchain people were buying up all the GPUs. And so gamers couldn't get them. And so they, they were big mad, big mad. I mean, I imagine that when they're doing the M&A valuations at this point buying up other people's supply chains has actually really changed in the map right yeah. tell me about your inventory in your in your warehouse because that's that's might be valuable to me yeah there's got to be a word for that so it's like sort of like an aqua hire equivalent that's like but all you want is the logistics train yeah i just want your logistics thank you or your pre-booked slots at the big uh tsmc fab you know what? I'm confident that's part of the valuation. I'm confident that the that the that the decks and the pitch decks include. You know, look what we've got. We've got fourteen <laughs> slots of fab in China. Yeah, yeah, and that probably is it. Yeah, and it's all TMC. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. Uh, so, Dominic, can we talk about what toys you came back with? What your Apple shopping has been? What your like Apple acquisitions? Complete bust. There were no iPhone 13 Pros to be had within the Las Vegas area. Yesterday, the Apple store sent me an email saying, good news, the product you wanted is now available in your area in Bakersfield, California. Now, I don't know <laughs> if, you have, if you have Apple Maps in front of you, uh, but that's a long way from Las Vegas, and I didn't have that much free time in my schedule, so unfortunately, I wasn't able to get, to get over there. <laughs> Unbelievable. I've been looking at like a MacBook Air, and delivery times are like one month out. It's just insane. Just insane. Yeah. No, the 13s are actually uh, supposed to be delivery next week, but I'm not in the US next week. And so I don't know. I'm, I might stick with the 11. Supposedly we'll be back in Vegas in March, uh, Omicron permitting. So that's for internal meetings. So I'll maybe get a, a chance to have another go. I feel like you need Although, to have a conversation with your leadership about the words internal meetings in Vegas. Uh, sales <laughs> kickoff and marketing kickoff. So, you know. Oh, Jesus. It beats, remember the year we did sales kickoff in Reno? That was potentially one of the darkest sales kickoffs <laughs> I've ever been to in my entire life. I, I'm just going to oh, say hands that down, the, hands down. The, at the bar, there was a man playing a guitar, and I really yes, feel like that's yes, that was. Oh, I'd forgotten that until this very instant. That was amazing. <laughs> that is the I, cleanest story I have from that event. <laughs> I would question anybody who picked uh, Reno, by the way. Yeah. They decided that it was like Vegas, but cheaper. And I think that was profoundly accurate <laughs> yes yes that, that was an entirely correct description and nobody can fly into reno easy anyway oh no I th it was a three leg for me but yeah. I mean, this was also the company that had sales kickoff in nashville tennessee which was no better
Yeah. Nashville's become a nice place, though, I think. so. I enjoyed the, the one night they let us out. Uh, I'll say that. But we were in the, the Gaylord Opryland. For listeners who have been to a Gaylord chain hotel, you know. Uh, if you haven't, these are hotels that are the size of a medium to large town. It was more than, even by Vegas standards, it was more than a half hour walk from my bedroom to the convention area. And at no point did I go out of doors. And yeah. I've stayed at a couple of these things and they're just insanely huge. Yeah. And they have like light shows and ducks and things. Like they just, they oh, yeah, really there's are... a navigable river inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good experience. I can tell who the marketing folks are on the call. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, closing on, on reInvent, it, it was very good. It was basically almost a normal reInvent. The precautions are all taken. So, you know, uh, touch wood, maybe we'll have some terrible news over the next couple of days. But I think they did everything that was reasonably, that could reasonably be expected of them. Every attendee had to be double vaccinated. Mask discipline was good. Uh, outdoors events uh, were encouraged. Eating and drinking was in fixed locations, and that was the only time you could remove your mask. And I think, I think it was good. The content, the keynotes were a bit meh. Uh, I attended a bunch of the workshops and things like that. Those are, those are better. But to be honest, like all of these keynotes, it's all about the hallway track. I caught up with, with people colleagues, analysts, journalists, ex-colleagues, people you know, vaguely know from the industry, and build those ties, and that's a good half of the value of doing these things. And nobody, but nobody in the past 20 months has cracked a way of delivering that virtually, which is the whole reason we got started with this podcast. This was uh, you know, our virtual hallway track. And so thank you all for joining us on it. Yeah. I think that's going to be like, um, that. that must be, there must be so much time spent on the networking because it hasn't happened in 24 months, whatever it is. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to go a little longer now. So let's see, let's hope we return to normal. Indeed. Yep. Anything else? I haven't looked at anything that wasn't Amazon. Did anything else happen this week? No, no. The world has stopped completely. It no, revolves no. entirely around Las Vegas. Perfect. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, uh, to be honest, uh, this was reinvent, uh, reinvent Week. And then, um, yeah, some of the FTC lawsuits of, on acquisitions. So that was it. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. That was the only, the only other thing that managed to pierce the bubble. But, yeah, you know, exactly. we're very much entering the season of predictions in which we stake our claim in that which we will never confirm whether we succeeded or not later. And I think, <laughs> I think we can take a page out of every analyst book and never look back on last year's predictions in the hopes that we can tr guarantee our triumph going forward. Um, so I, I'm hopeful that that is one of our go forward episodes is um, I, I actually recently had that conversation with our uh, press team. And so I think it would be fun to, to have that chat. And I'd love to hear what listeners think is going to happen next year, because obviously predicting the future is one of our strengths as a society. Mugs game, mugs game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. COVID was over six months ago so there you go yeah yeah, yeah yeah well go get vaccinated i got my booster books uh before the the christmas family get togethers and uh, advise everyone to do that <laughs> yes my kid's got his second shot so we're i'm feeling good yeah yeah excellent so tomorrow 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 exercise for us so there you go well 
I'm going to close with a recommendation because one of the things I missed about travel was the chance to just power through huge chunks of books uh, without stuff happening continuously. So I've been doing that. I've been going through the new Neil Stevenson, which on its own is a fantastic advert for ebooks because I think it's 800 pages. I would never have been able to bring it. I'd have had to check it into the holes or something. But on my iPad, it's fine. And I'm thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying it. I'm about 100 pages away from the end. Uh, and it is fantastic so far. So Termination Shock by Neil Stevenson. If you like Neil Stevenson, you will enjoy this. If you were dismayed by my mention of 800 pages, it's probably not for you because a lot of that is digressions. So, you know, caveat emptor and all that. <laughs> oh and a uh, bonus recommendation. Go to reInvent. It's, it's super fun. <laughs> <laughs> no recommendations from my side. Been a quiet week. Yeah, me too. Keep it that way. I'm just hoping that Yes. Let's get through the last few hours. <laughs> exactly. Get into the weekend. Thank you to all of you for listening in. It's been great catching up after this week. I am now going to go and prepare myself mentally and physically for a long flight with my Bane mask on. And <laughs> the music that's playing under my voice is by my good friend Renato Podesta. You can follow the show on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number four or on our LinkedIn page. And as Lilac said, do send us in any early candidates for your predictions for 2022, which is just around the corner. Thank you all. See you on the other side. Thanks, everybody. Bye.